We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, what's up? It's Kareem Russ. You listen to Setting the Pace on PacersTalk.net. Ladies and gentlemen of Setting the Pace, we are joined today by former Pacer and upcoming American Ninja Warrior, Kareem Rush. Kareem, how are you today? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm doing great. So, Kareem, I thought we'd start. Um, you know, I noticed through your Instagram that you're going to be on the season premiere of American Ninja Warrior, which premieres May 29th on NBC. Do I have that correct? Yep. You're awesome. correct. I mean, how do you even prepare for something like that? Do you just kind of start jumping off the walls in your spare time, or how does that work? No, I mean, it was completely random on my end as well. Uh, the producer for the show was a Mizzou guy. It was a Mizzou guy, and obviously I went to a University of Missouri. So he said, yo, man, I see you in some decent type of shape. Would you be interested in doing American Ninja Warrior? And this is literally like a, a month out before they're taping uh, the first round in L.A. So I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I, I can do it, of course. So I trained three or four times in, in KC and also a couple times in L.A. And then uh, I got out there and ran the course. Uh, so it was an amazing experience. Uh, uh, I can't tell you how high it is, but uh, I'm definitely going to be uh, uh, returning to the course next year for sure. Oh, that definitely excited to hear. And, uh, our listeners will be tuning in for that, so I don't want to hear any spoilers. I want to find out myself. And I thought, you know, if we're going to do this interview, let's just start from the beginning because you kind of come from an NBA family of sorts, you know, talking about from a brother standpoint. You know, your brother, Jerron, really good player at UCLA, uh, and then obviously you were in the NBA for many years, and then your brother, Brandon Rush, who also played for the Pacers. I Did the Rush brothers just sort of – run the courts in Missouri, and what were those battles like in the driveway growing up? I mean, we were, I mean, many consider us the first family basketball here in town, uh, you know, so wow. my brother, Jerron, was literally, literally uh, the best part of the best high school player ever out of, out of Kansas City, so uh, growing up, you know, with him was, you know, it, it was tough. I mean, Jerron was the number one player in the country by the time he was in eighth grade, so, uh, oh you know, to follow his footsteps was, 
you know, something that kind of helped me grow my game because uh, I don't want to always be Jerron Russell's little brother. So kind of mm-hmm. focus, you know, helped me kind of focus on, and, and kind of, you know, develop my own name. And I'm sure the same thing with Brandon. I can only imagine, you know, having two brothers to follow. See, like you did. But Brandon <laughs> came in and did actually better than all of us. So uh, definitely basketball family. Love the game. Uh, still connected to it. Going to be connected to her for life. And, uh, you know, definitely passed down to our, our sons, you know, Jerron's son, Shay, uh, is an upcoming senior at UNC. Our national championship is his, his, his freshman year. Uh, my brother has two sons who love the game. So the rush legacy of basketball, you know, it started with us, but it's definitely not stopping. Yeah, that's amazing. Another trio of brothers I can think of off the top of my head is the Holiday brothers. Pacers currently yep. have Aaron Holiday. There's obviously Justin Holiday and Drew Holiday. But, hey, it was, it was the Rush brothers first. So thought that was, uh, you know, pretty cool that we're starting to see a little bit more of that. Obviously, you got, you know, the Currys facing off right now in the Western Conference Finals. So hey, there's a lot of talented families out there. Um, unfortunately, my brother and I, uh, our uh, driveway battles weren't quite like your uh, battles with your brothers. But I, I thought, you know. Memorable, none, none the least. Oh, oh, definitely. And the big moment growing up is always beating your older brother. Was that something that you were able to do with your brother being that good? It took a long time. You know, it was definitely a moment I definitely remember. I, I didn't get him until uh, my sophomore year in college. Uh, wow. You know, I came back and I was, I was, I was right high. I was, I just led the conversation going. So I was pretty much, yeah, I was, I, I was unstoppable at that point. But if you ask any of Brand or Jerron, they were saying our peak levels. I was trying to pass that out of So was there any uh, a little bit of a rivalry or some bad blood with Brandon going to Kansas? Uh, yeah, it definitely stung. You know, especially what happened with, with, with Jerron and how they probably came out today when we couldn't have any drama with the KU. We all probably would have went to, you know, to KU. Uh, but at the end of the day, Brandon made a great decision. Uh, won a national championship. Now he's got mm-hmm. his, his jersey hanging in the rafters. So I can't be mad at his, uh, his decision. Uh, luckily, if, I mean, if it would have been Coach Williams that was still there at the time, then it might have been a, a little bit more of an issue. But Bill Self was at the time, so I was completely fine with him going there. He didn't want to get too far away from home. And KU was, you know, is obviously a powerhouse. So oh, yeah. that decision on his part. Oh, for sure. I'm a West Virginia University guy. So uh, unfortunately, I've gotten used to Kansas just winning the Big 12 every year. So that's they did for yeah, 13 straight so, years uh, before I was this year. There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, then, I was part of that too. Yeah, that that was quite the rivalry, and I, I believe they are bringing that back the Missouri uh, Kansas rivalry. So that's going to be interesting. Well, I'm, doing I'm doing my alumni game. Doing my oh, alumni are game. you? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I put I put on the KUMU uh, alumni game last year uh, with the alums. Uh, you know, we did it for the Boys and Girls Club to benefit of the charity. But this year, uh, year two, mainly uh, alumni basketball league, a, a nationwide professional league for collegiate alumni teams that are, that are established. A lot of those teams are playing in the TDT uh, right yep. now. Like, I believe like 20, I mean, 27 out of 73 teams were alumni teams. So I'm like, mm-hmm. It's based solely for alumni teams. We're going to go play, play back in college campus and kind of really tap back into that collegiate marketplace. So we got our, our second round coming, the second annual rivalry renewed series game, July 28th, uh, the Silverstein Arena uh, here in, uh, in Kansas City. Uh, so I'm definitely building out, you know, bigger a bigger concept for 2020. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. I believe this is the first year that West Virginia University is involved, so I will be paying extra attention to that for the TBT. Uh, and then on draft night, so you get drafted. You're going to the NBA. Toronto actually trades you right away to the Lakers, but you join a team coming off a few championships led by Shaq and Kobe. 
How surreal is that moment? No, you're not only going to the NBA, but you're playing with Shaq and Kobe. I mean, it was, you know, as you can imagine, you know, kind of crazy to go from initially going to Toronto being drafted and I was a few hours later, just, you know, coming off the three-peat. So, uh, definitely life-altering. You know, I'm still, uh, still spend a lot of time in L.A. Uh, I'm still connected to the Lakers. Uh, organization, they you know once you're like you're always a Lakers, so they do a great job of keeping guys attached to the, to the to the franchise. Even though they're going through some troubles down, they're still a stand-up franchise in my eyes. Uh, I know that they're gonna they're gonna get the, the ship you know righted and you know get back to where they need to be. But uh, yeah, it was a dream come true, man. And by our year two, we were playing in the NBA Finals. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was unfortunate that team got torn apart that third year after we lost to Detroit. But uh, definitely a memorable time. Still, you know, still talk to Kobe, still see Shaq, still see a lot of those guys. Uh, to this day, uh, that that's awesome, man. And yeah, I remember you had that big game six Western Conference Finals against uh, Minnesota. So yeah, yeah, uh, six uh, six of seven. Also, it was efficient shooting. So yeah, good. Uh, did you get a sense during your time uh, in LA, as dominant as you guys were with Shaq and Kobe, that this might not be built to last long term due to the clashing? Of personalities, uh, I mean, did you ever get that feeling like, oh, man, I just don't know if they're going to be able to come together? I mean, there is definitely um, real fighting animosity between Shaq and Kobe at the time. You know, Kobe's an alpha dog. He got two offers. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, Kobe's quest to be the MJ, to be better MJ, obviously he's going to have to lead the team to a championship on his own. You know, so he kind of forced oh, yeah. an organization to make a choice between him and Shaq. And they chose a younger Kobe, you know. So uh, that was that, that's all it was. You, you see, stars going down. You know? Same thing will happen with Kyrie leaving Cleveland. He just wanted to kind of, you know, be his own team and, and lead his own team. Uh, but that's all that was. I'm, I'm sure hindsight, they look back and say, and wish they would get that team together. They probably would have won four or five championships, and they would have been. And then not not they not considered the greatest duo of all time. They would have been, without question, the greatest duo of all time. If they would stuck together for a few more years. You know, that I was actually going to ask you that. He took the words out of my mouth. When I think of those two, I think of arguably the best duo of all time. No disrespect to Michael and Scotty. They that they are yeah. a no. amazing duo, but if you're going to size up each player individually, yeah, I'd put Shaq and Kobe above Scotty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you got I mean Shaq was the most one of the top 3 most dominant players of all time. Wilt, Kareem and Shaq. Uh, and then you got Kobe as uh, I mean, the greatest shooting guard, or if not guard, of all time. Mm-hmm. Behind George, uh, maybe. I mean, they might say Magic, maybe, but I put Kobe right up there. So I like guard. Play. For two for two guards, Kobe is my number two for sure behind Michael. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Do, I'm talking, talking about backcourt. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And when the you're talking, no one would really know better than you in terms of playing with Shaq, but will we ever see a player as dominant as Shaq again. I'm sure there will be. And then the game's going to change back to a big man to kind of deal with that. Uh, but until we have that, then the game's going to continue to go out and, and to be his position as basketball. And the big man's going to continue to go out further and further. But it's going to come a time when somebody's going to be big enough and going to be dominant again where the team's going to have to readjust it and change the game. You know, Steph did it, you know, for this is the era of, of Steph and the Warriors and the fast paced position as basketball. But yeah, the way evolution is evolution now, don't matter time before you have another dominant Shaq type guy. I hope so. And then, you know, next next step after the Lakers, you go from a championship contending team, uh, basically, you know, the runner up in the, in the NBA finals 
to the inaugural season of the Charlotte Bobcats. Must have been a little bit of a different situation, but it's a situation that gives you an opportunity to play a lot more, and you were one of those bright spots on that, that early yeah. Bobcats team. What was that experience it like? Sucked. Yeah, so, <laughs> but you know, I was yeah at the time. You know, you want to go to play, kind of make your mark in the league. So, I went down there to starting position. But the crazy thing is, this Phil, at the end of our end of that third year, uh, end of that second year, I was going to start at the, the the second position with Kobe. So I was like, okay, I was going into my third year, knowing I was going to start somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so when I got decided to get traded, uh, asked for a trade. Didn't think I was going to Charlotte. I was either going to Denver or New Jersey. But Charlotte came in, kind of in. And, yeah, it was definitely a culture shock. You know, I was used to playing on, you know, sold out arenas, you know, every night. Yeah. So, you know, not selling out at all. So it was definitely, uh, you know, definitely a, a shift. And, you know, seeing how the other half of the NBA really lived. So it was definitely eye-opening. But, again, I got a chance to play, uh, start, uh, and make my mark. So all in all, it was a good experience. So, real quickly, what was it like when, you know, Charlotte, they're not new to the NBA in terms of they had the Hornets, but now you're bringing in a new team. That Did that fan base kind of like, what was it, just very mixed results of if they were really going to accept the Bobcats? You know, it's a tough situation to be in. It is. I mean, it's a brand new, I mean, some fans are disappointed they left and, and don't come back. So, I mean, what we saw that was, you know, putting a winning franchise on the court and he wasn't winning. So, it was it's hard to kind of to win fans back uh, when you know, put a good product on the floor. So those first those two years were definitely tough. And Charlotte had a tough, you know, go at it for a long time before they finally got a playoff win. But that's to be expected for, you know, a brand new franchise. Uh, but, you know, having Michael and those guys now surrounded by, now you got kind of a draw to bring people to game. But up until then, it was just kind of a new franchise. And it, was, it was tough. It was tough. Yeah, hey, I I fir- firmly believe that. It, it definitely is. But the next stop on your list is the one that all of our fans really remember you for and, and love your time in Indiana. The Pacers come calling. We're looking for a better shooter, something that you were known for, a great three-point shooter in your time. What's the differences like from you know a large market like L.A. to then you're going to you know a small market like Indiana? Sure, Charlotte, not a large market, but can you just tell us about what the change was going to Indiana. I mean, at that point, I was just looking for an opportunity to play. Um, mm-hmm. And journeyman trying to get get some place where you can, you know, build some stability, you know, get a long-term deal and, and find a home. And Indiana, you know, was, was a great opportunity for me. Um, I liked the style of play. Um, it took me a while to kind of break the line, but once I did, I got a chance to go out there and produce. Uh, and really, I'm fortunate that I, I didn't come back the second year. I wanted to come back. But then I was told a better offer was in Philly, uh, and I really look I really looked back on that and wish I wish stayed in and came back that second year. Because then I had a chance to play with Brandon. Uh, or, yeah, you know, it could have been a good situation. So, but definitely really enjoyed my time in Indiana. I, I think that would have been a, a really special opportunity to get to play together. You, you typically don't see you know brothers on the same team too much. Happens every now and then. Both the Hansboroughs played for uh, for the Pacers at one point. But when when you're in that when you're with the Pacers, it's that awkward transition stage from the post malice at the Palace. You know, we recently had your teammate Travis Diener uh, on the show, and can you tell us why maybe fans and former players were a bit bitter towards Jim O'Brien's Jim O'Brien's style of play? It doesn't really seem like a favorite of kind of anyone. Yeah, he was kind of a <laughs> he had a military style of approach, uh, kind of dictator. Uh, style okay. pros, uh, which doesn't really sit well for you know grown men who have children. Not the pros. Responsibilities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that I mean that was it. 
Um, I mean, no ill will towards Jim. I mean, but like I said, some coaching styles are going to rub some guys the right way, especially you got opinionated guys, you know, big personality guys that, you know, can, that like to stand up for themselves. And, you know, that type of structure doesn't, like I said, it's a very military-style structure that doesn't work, you know, in the pros. You know, one, I, I firmly believe that that's a college thing. Um, obviously, we, we heard what was going on with the Bulls this year. You know, when when they're, when Fred Hoiberg got fired, it was like a complete – Flaw, uh, complete switch of uh, coaching um, over there, but it seemed like everything worked out. They started winning some games uh, towards the end, but in Jim O'Brien's situation, it didn't quite work out. Um, one of the guys, though, that was on that Pacers team that people actually forget about is actually an Indiana native, you know, Andre Owens. He's tearing yeah. up the big three league right now. Why do you think maybe yeah. Andre didn't quite work out in the NBA? Was it just not as much of an opportunity or? What? Cause that yeah, guy is I mean, the number one pick in the in the big three. Yeah, he actually picked my brother up uh, on the Elias team because him and Brandon lives in Indiana State and Carmel. He, he, him and Andre still train together. So um, Andre's always a talented player. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. his game very, very much suits the big three. So uh, was, yeah, Andre's a good guy. So I'm, I'm happy to see him you know, standing out there doing his thing. And, and you know, he, and he said he's he gonna have a long career in the big three. I had a chance to see him play in the big three, and, and it, it was definitely eye-opening because, you know, yeah. in his time during the Pacers, wasn't getting too many minutes. So I, I didn't get to see how much he really worked on his game overseas. So yeah, that, NBA that was is all about opportunity. It's really all about mm-hmm. opportunity. Got to play. If you're in the NBA, you can really play. Oh, oh, for sure. The last guy on the bench could, if given an opportunity, could drop 40 any night. We saw yeah, it this year. Exactly. Honestly, exactly. Uh, um, was it um, – it just, just there was a certain, there was a couple different guys this year that in the last game of the season when the veterans are out, you saw really put up some some big numbers. So I thought uh, any guy just needs an opportunity. Uh, but one of the guys who was actually looking for an opportunity that was an assistant coach on that Pacers team that you were on was recently named the Lakers head coach. That's Frank Vogel. Did you ever envision Frank not only becoming a head coach? but also leading the Pacers to within a game of the NBA Finals when things weren't going too well under Jim O'Brien? Oh, no. I mean, Frank was a, a, a player's coach. You know, so guys always mm-hmm. enjoy being around Frank. Uh, and that goes a long way. I mean, the NBA is a player's league. You know, so if you got guys that go to bat for you and, and go out there and play hard for you, then you can, you can have some success. Uh, I think Indiana style, you know, suited him very well. And, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't surprised that he had within the league so you know i'm happy to see i'm back you know getting the opportunity with the lakers uh league is very much uh, a revolving door for coaches uh, you know it wasn't going to be too long but a decent a good coach to always get an opportunity so happy to see him out there and do his thing in la oh definitely that that is uh exciting you know that was someone where it was unfortunate to see him take that orlando magic job right after the pacers job because the magic were in a very awkward spot where they were doing they were trading a lot of really good players i don't think that he was given the best opportunity but i think he's got an awesome opportunity in la and i'm really happy to to see frank get another shot at at a head coaching job one of the veterans on that pacers team that you know there's no way i could let this interview go without asking about jermaine o'neal he happens to be my favorite player you know he was a veteran on that pacers team and it was his final season. Do you have any good Jermaine O'Neal stories? Uh, I mean, good dude. I mean, like I said, I was, I was only there for a year, so mm-hmm. I didn't get a chance to build any really long-term you know, relationships with, with many guys. Uh, Danny, Mike, I see those guys every now and again. But Jay, I was like, I was, I was a good guy. 
a team leader, obviously, a great player. And I see him every now and again, you know, big three. I played in year one, so I got a chance to see him there. But always a stand-up guy and, you know, doing a lot of great things in the community and uh, you know, keeping his career going. So uh, nothing but great things about J.L. Love it, love it. And another guy on that team that did you envision seeing Danny Granger blossom into an all-star? Because he's someone where I feel like if those knees injuries didn't creep in, I felt like he could have played for at least another five years in this league. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Danny's a great player. So uh, opportunity, um, you know, the right system. And you might average 25 a game. So that's not, that's not easy to do. Um, you know, so Danny, Danny definitely had a you know, great career. It's good to see him doing TV and, you know, uh, branching off and doing some great things post-career as well. Uh, yeah, Danny was a great player. For sure. And, you know, we mentioned the, the basketball tournament earlier, and you were talking about how your brother Brandon joined the Big Three. Is there any potential plans to see you in the Big Three moving forward? Yeah, I was yeah, I was out this year. Um, that was a knee issue before it's, uh, uh, the combine, so they get a chance to try out this year. But, like I said, I was in year one. Like I said, I'm doing my own league, and I always go stay in shape, and, you know, try my hands out when there's an opportunity. So, you know, you know, out there trying again next year. Uh, I'm in a draft pool, so I still didn't get caught up this year in the big three. So we'll see what happens, but I'm still definitely actively playing. Okay, and uh, it's something that I, I saw in the past, which I was wondering if we're ever going to hear, you know, round two or another one. You came out with an R&B single back in the day. I yep. hold you down. Any. Uh, any uh, chance you're going to get back on the microphone, maybe release another song or an album? Oh, I'll put uh, my album was out two years ago. I dropped it on Spotify and uh, Apple Music. Uh, the Rebirth of Renaissance, man, that, that's out, out there. Um, I actually just tried out for The Voice uh, t- two months ago. Uh, Did you? Didn't make it the first time now. Yeah, yeah, I'm actually doing it again. Trying out again here in June, June 29th in LA. So, yeah, definitely still pushing push music. Uh, new music will be out there soon. Uh, my second album's done. I just haven't pushed anything out, uh, but I, I will be dropping some, some, some uh, snippets on my Instagram and social media here leading up into the album dropping. But yeah, still very much actively doing music, putting together live music nights in Kansas City. Uh, the hosts have been signed local artists. So music is definitely a big part of what I'm doing. Now, as a Pacer fan, I got to ask it. Is there any chance we can get you and Victor Oladipo to collaborate on a song? I would love to. Yeah, Victor can sing, so. I checked out his, uh, his album, The Talented Guy. Uh, so, yeah, at some point, sure. Definitely need to do an album with you know, all the NBA guys that can do music, not just with singing, but also rapping. That would be a cool little collaborative album uh, that we can put together. But, yeah, I would love to do something with Victor. We got it. We got to set that up. So I might have to start that movement. I'm glad to, to know that you are on board with that, Kareem. Hey, Kareem, I, the I had an all. I had an awesome time talking with you today. I appreciate you coming on the show. But tell us, where can we find you on social media? You can find me on social media, Kareem Rush Facebook. I don't uh, tweet. And then IG is Ed Reem Rush. Uh, and I have everything I'm doing. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm doing my love night basketball game. I got some floaties coming out. I got a lot of different projects that are, you know, coming down the pipeline. So you guys are here a lot for me. March, uh, March, May 29th, American Ninja Warrior, The Voice. Uh, June 29th in LA. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll be busy. A man of many talents, everyone. You heard it first. Kareem Rush, catch him on American Ninja Warrior, May 29th. Kareem, appreciate you coming on. Have a great night. All right, man. Have a good one.
Well, folks, you heard it from Kareem Rush. He's got a lot going on, and it was a fun conversation talking about his time in L.A., his time in Indiana. And, hey, will we see him back on the court soon? I think so. Pacer fans, remember to rate and review on iTunes. Have a great night. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.